0: Let's pray, Lord may our hearts burn within us as you open the scriptures to us, for we ask it in your great name, Amen. It's great to be with you, I was here 25 years ago for Greg's institution as your rector. How many were here at that time? Quite a number of you. A lot of people have died, I understand, since that time. <laughs> Greg tells me that he's uh, done 700 funerals, memorial services, uh, our folks, and uh, that's a big change in the life of the church. And when I was here last time, I was saying to Greg, I don't believe this was here, I don't believe that was here, and I don't believe that was here, because it was all contained pretty much within this area, and the pulpit was somewhere up closer to the front, as I recall. So, uh, a lot of changes in 25 years, and in my life, too. Uh, Greg called me some months ago and asked if I'd come and preach at this anniversary and dedication of the Fellowship Hall uh, on a October the 22nd he said and I said no I'm sorry I can't do that Greg because we're celebrating my 50th anniversary of ordination at my church but God must have meant it for me to be here because he sent Irma (laughs) Uh, Irma came along and I believe she visited you people as well as Amelia Island. Is that right? And so things were delayed, and he calls me up again. He said, well, he said, uh, John Guest, who was supposed to preach, it can't come on November the 12th. What about you? And I foolishly said yes. But here I am. And I'm sorry I can't stay for, uh, for the... Uh, uh, supper tonight because I am told that I'm supposed to be back for a new member's reception at my own church at five o'clock tonight, so I can't stay. Now, some of you are out there saying, he's got a funny accent, and that's true. If you had had John Guest, you would have had another accent. Uh, I, I, you know, people come at the end of the service, they say, what's your accent, and, and some of them are Bold enough to say, are you from Australia? And I say, a pox on your house. (laughs) I said, I am Gandalf. I come from the Lord of the Rings country. I'm the white wizard. And uh, (laughs) those of you who have seen the Lord of the Rings know that it was filmed in New Zealand. And every time I look at the Lord of the Rings, I try to figure out where it is actually filmed there. but So don't ask me where I come from, where I come out, and uh, don't say that I come from Australia. Twenty-five years of Greg Cron's <laughs> <laughs> and Meredith. Oh, Meredith. You've been lucky people, haven't you? The blessings of a long-term pastor. Long-term pastors are very rare. And when they happen, things happen. Not just physically, like you've done here, but in the lives of so many people. And Greg came to be my associate in San Antonio, Texas in, in 1987. They brought with them a little baby called Bethany. And then they had two native Texan boys, Daniel and Aaron. And they've grown up amongst you. There are many characteristics of Greg's ministry that we celebrate today. And, but I just want to highlight two of them. Uh, As it was said of Jesus in John's Gospel, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Greg, as the young man and now the mature man who... Goes from one mission trip to another. He's known, known in Africa for his preaching. The Young Life beginning. The guitarist, and I believe he's going to play for us during communion. Uh, the worship leadership. Uh, the wonderful marriage that he and Meredith have had and the wonderful parenting that you've seen as they have raised their children amongst you. The man who just loves to be on the golf course. You know, when he considered coming to uh, Hilton Head, he he was entertaining a number of search committees, and uh, when he told me that one of them was St. Luke's Hilton Head, I said, well, that's where you're going to go. And uh, he said, no, I'm going to look at the others. I said, let's face it, Greg, everybody wants to go to Hilton Head. (laughs) So here he is. And we thank God for that. Now I want to take as my text Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15. Speaking the truth in love. We will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. Wonderful verse. Speaking the truth in love. We will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. What a wonderful verse for us all and for this congregation. Truth and love are characteristics of the Christian ministry. We are to speak the truth about Christ and the love of Christ. Let me begin with love. God being love, Christ who came, God so loved the world that he sent his Son. But one aspect of love is gentleness. Gentleness is one of the great fruits of the Spirit One of the characteristics of the ministry of Jesus and of St. Paul and I believe of Greg and of Meredith in their life. And so the epistle that was read this morning from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, we were gentle among you like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much. That we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. Isn't that true in this place? Greg and Meredith and their family amongst you sharing the gospel, but not only the gospel, but their lives as well, because you had become so dear to them. The role of a pastor and teacher is like that of a mother, caring for her little children, feeding them, correcting them, loving them, clothing them, protecting them. Those who oppose him, says Paul to Timothy, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. Parenting, requires gentleness, not harshness. Fathers, do not exasperate your children, says Paul. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Greg has always had a gentle spirit in his ministry, which has been a blessing to you, and this is seen in his pastoral care ministry, ministry of the sick, and to the dying, and to the bereaved, as I have already mentioned, the amount of time that is taken by pastors with those who are dying, those who are bereaved, those who are sick is uh, cannot be understood by a layman. Cannot be understood the tremendous responsibility of people on the brink of eternity that they minister to with the gospel of Christ. Can it be fathomed? Jesus responded to the needs of those who come to him with healing and gentleness. Remember the story of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, the leader of the church of his day, who fell at Jesus' feet and pleaded with him to come to his little daughter who was dying so that she might be healed and live. And Jesus went with him. Can imagine the emotion in a father with a little girl who's dying and how that is communicated? And so Jesus went with him and they were slowed down by a large crowd and the needs of another woman who sought to be healed. There's always someone else. There's always another knock on the door. There's always another phone call. There's always another person who wants to unburden themselves to their pastor or their pastor's wife. She bears it as much as the pastor. He takes it home and shares it with her. They pray together about it. But despite the urgent condition of the little daughter, Jesus took time to minister to the woman who had suffered for 12 years. And while this was going on, some men came from Jairus' house and told him that his daughter was dead. Not to bother Jesus anymore. Just make plans for the memorial service. the niche in the columbarium. But ignoring what they said, Jesus told Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe. And despite the commotion of the mourners crying and wailing loudly, Jesus went ahead into the house and they laughed at him when he asserted that she was not dead but asleep. And he put them all out of the room and took Jairus and his wife and the disciples and went in where the child was and he gently took her hand. Can you, can you see that? Can you picture that? Jesus in the room with the parents and the disciples. The child's seemingly dead, taking this little child's hand. And he said to her little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. Jesus gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. He was gentle with her. And his gentleness extended to making sure that she received physical nourishment. He was like a mother caring for her little children. He was practical in protecting her from all the commotions outside so that she might have quiet and have time to recover from her illness. Jesus responded to the needs of those who were bereaved and those who died with gentleness, loving gentleness. He gently ministered to Martha and Mary when their brother Lazarus died. When Jesus saw Mary weeping and others who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. What did Jesus do? Jesus wept. Then they said, see how he loved him. See how he loved him. And he gently comforted them before he raised Lazarus from the dead. It's hard to be in a congregation for a long time without loving people. Sometimes there are a lot of goats among the sheep but you still love them. (laughs) And this loving Gentleness is characteristic of the ministry of the God. This is what makes the church special. Loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, loving your neighbor as yourself, loving the person alongside you. And it is characteristic of the ministry at this church of St. Luke the Physician as exemplified in the ministry of Greg and Meredith here over 25 years. But there's a second characteristic of Greg's ministry, speaking the truth in love. The truth of the gospel manifested in the authority and sufficiency of the Holy Scripture, which has given his ministry the substance and power of the Holy Spirit. You can go into a lot of churches and there's a lot of talk, there's a lot of preaching, but it may have no substance or power without the Word of God, the written Word of God, the authority of the Scripture. Like Jesus on the road to Emmaus, he opened the Scriptures to the disciples. Their hearts burned within them when he opened the scriptures and told them everything in them about himself. That's what gives the ministry of the word in the church so much power. It's Christ by the spirit because the word, the written word has power. God sends it forth. It's creative. It's life transforming. This year we celebrate the 500th anniversary of the Reformation when Martin Luther asserted the primacy of Scripture. And because of that he was called before a convocation of the Holy Roman Empire, the Diet of Worms, the Holy Roman Emperor Charles V and other people there wanted him to recant what he had said about the authority of Scripture. And Martin Luther said, Unless I am convinced of error by the testimony of Scripture or by manifest reasoning, I stand convicted by the Scriptures to which I have appealed, and my conscience is taken captive by God's Word. I cannot and I will not recant anything. For to act against our conscience is neither safe for us nor open to us. On this I take my stand. I can do no other. God help me. Amen. I want you to notice it is his conscience which is taken captive by God's word. It's not the conscience that is the authority. It's the word that has taken captive the conscience, has instructed the conscience. There is a lot of talk today about living by your conscience. Even the Pope, Pope Francis, is getting into trouble about this. Some of his theologians have written to him saying, you're appealing to conscience, not the scriptures. As a former Roman Catholic, Greg knows all about this. He's understood the importance and the necessity of a ministry based upon the authority of Holy Scripture. One commentator said Luther's defense was not a modern plea for the supremacy of the individual conscience or free will. It was rather an entreaty for Scripture's supremacy. In short, Luther at Worms illustrates the authority of God's Word as the rightful captor of our conscience. It's not church tradition, it's not a clerical hierarchy, it's not the civil power that determines faith and morals, it is Holy Scripture. You see, before Luther, the Bible in Latin was hardly ever read or understood. Luther translated it into a vernacular German which enabled people to see for themselves the truth of his arguments and the invention of printing allowed the Bible to be circulated more widely than ever before. William Tyndall published the New Testament in English for the first time in 1525 and he was assassinated by agents of King Henry VIII for it. He printed them in Belgium. And smuggled them into England and when they were discovered they were pulled together and burned in a bonfire in front of St. Paul's Cathedral in London. Miles Coverdale translated the whole Bible into English in 1535. People gave their lives for the Bible in their own language but the church hierarchy tried to suppress the Bible's because they did not want the ordinary lay person to know about the Bible. I know that Greg has encouraged every member here to have daily Bible reading as part of their Christian discipleship. Uh, He's used and I have used for years the Scripture Union notes, Encounter with God notes, and we do commend them to you, every serious Christian should have a devotional time every day of reading a portion of Holy Scripture. If God has taken the time to give us the Bible, people have given their lives for it. We should at least read it, study it, become aware of it. And the Reformers 500 years ago rejected only those doctrines and ceremonies for which there was no clear basis In Scripture, they rejected the authority of the Pope, the doctrine of transubstantiation in the Mass, the view of the Mass as a sacrifice, shrines and relics and veneration of images, purgatory and prayers for the dead, and the necessity of private confession to a priest, celibacy of the clergy, the sale of church offices and the use of Latin in worship. Just imagine Bethany, Daniel, Aaron, if you still had the celibacy of the clergy, you wouldn't be here, brothers and sisters. Thank God. We need to believe in the authority of Scripture in an age when all authority in faith and morals is being rejected. This has been the issue in the Episcopal Church which I have served all my life and other mainline denominations in recent years and that is why they are declining. We are in a cultural and civilization crisis in the West when the commandments are being ignored and forgotten. And the pursuit of happiness is worshipped through immorality and materialism. And we need the authority of God's word written more and more to keep us on a straight path. Speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. Love in the gentleness of pastoral care. Truth in the authority of the scriptures as preached and taught. The gospel is characterized by truth and love. And how our nation needs both. Love instead of false. Truth. Love instead of hate. The gospel is characterized by truth and love. The truth as it is seen in Jesus. The love of God revealed in his life and his death and his resurrection. The truth found in the word of God communicated through the love of God and the power of the spirit. These twin characteristics are essential for mature Christian discipleship and for effective ministry in the church. And I'm so thankful that you know that in this congregation and you value it so much. Do you know this truth for yourself? Does the truth live in you? Does your heart burn within you as the scriptures are open to you? Do you walk in the truth as you see it in Jesus? Do you love one another? Do you walk in love and the power of the Spirit? Pray that these characteristics may continue for another 25 years in this place and in your lives. Let us pray together. Gracious God, we thank you that you give us your truth, your love in Christ. We pray that you would help us to walk in the truth, that you would help us to love one another, that this church may be a beacon of truth and love in this community, that our hearts may burn within us as you communicate that truth in love to us. And may it be a transforming element because of the power of your Spirit. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.